can we just like give it up for this awesome series that we're in? Root is so cool, man. I love diving into scripture, really just digging, just digging deep and just seeing what the scripture has to say. And we get to do that again today. And so Paul, really important um, passage of scripture today. They're all important, but this is a really important one because it's actually the ending of the thematic half of the book. And so chapters 1 through 11 have been Paul's theology. And this is like the base work of what he's trying to get across to these Roman to the Roman church. And now the Roman church, Jews, Gentiles, and they're kind of like this. And Paul's like, "Hey, we have to get everybody on the same page." So he's bringing unity to two people groups that don't really like each other. Like there is disunity that Paul is trying to unify. He's trying to get in and unify, which is so crazy because today I feel like in a lot of settings, there's disunity. And so that's why Rooted, this series, this book, could not have come at a better time. And so, so Paul's writing and he's closing this, this portion of scripture, this whole literal half, not the half of the book as in physical chapters, but thematic half. Because in chapter 12 through 16, it's all practice. This is all theology. So we get to listen in on how Paul concludes this really, really important section of Scripture. And so he gives this, the Gentiles a posture of the heart and a way to treat one another. And really his heartbeat is to live authentically. And so that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to dive into today. Let's pray before we dive in. God, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. God, speak Speak through your word. That's the only thing we want. Lord, I pray that we would take away one thing and apply it to our life. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's dive into the scripture. Romans eleven thirteen and 14. I am saying all this, especially for you Gentiles. What is he saying? Just to summarize, Jesus was a Jew. He came as the fulfillment of the Jewish prophets, offer salvation to everyone, first the Jew, then the Gentile. I'm saying this especially especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me, Paul, as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this for, this is what he's stressing. I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have. So I might save one of them. This is really interesting. Here's my first point. Authentic faith is attractive faith. Here's what he's trying to say. This is a really weird way of putting it, but Paul's point is really cool. He says, I want the Jewish people, the the people who have a relationship with God, to see your intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and literally get jealous so that they become followers of Jesus. That is so interesting. He said, Gentiles, I need your faith to look so attractive. I need you to be so genuine in what you believe So therefore, people can, on the outside, can come in and look at you and say, wow, I want that. And the the reality is, we as Christians have the same charge to us. If your faith is not attractive, you're doing something wrong. Like Paul is saying to the, like about the Jewish people, like the Jewish people, they were like, they, they, they were into rituals. They were into religiousness and routines. And, you know, it was kind of this, they, they turned it into this, like, drudge. And it's like, oh, we got to, like, sacrifice and all this stuff. And 
I don't know, is God going to, God, are you going to hear me this year? And uh, all this stuff. And, and Paul's like, Paul's like, yo, that is not what your faith should look like. And if your faith looks a, a little bit of like that, Paul is literally addressing you this morning. God, through the Holy Spirit, is saying to you, you need to have an attractive faith. That's what authentic faith is. It, it's attractive. And so um, it's so interesting. What this means for us is that if your faith isn't attractive to others, it's not effective to others. That's good. If your faith isn't attractive to others, it's not effective. And when your faith is authentic, it's naturally going to make others wonder what's different about you. If you aren't a Christian here, you know, you're maybe you're sitting here or maybe you're tuning in on the live stream. You're not a Christian or maybe you once were a Christian. And you're saying, uh, I had a really bad experience with a Christian or the church, right? And faith is definitely not attractive. A relationship with God is not attractive. And here's the reality. First of all, I'm sorry for you for the, having that experience. And secondly, here in Romans, Christians are literally charged to have an attractive relationship with God. So the fact that that person or people turned someone off, turned you or someone you know off to faith, they were literally commanded as Christians to not do that. That's a big deal. We're literally commanded as Christians to have a faith that's attractive, right? Okay, continuing on. For since their rejection, this is the Jews' rejection of Jesus, since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who were dead. And so here's the deal. Your, your attractive faith will actually give life to those who are dead. That's a big deal. And their acceptance, so their acceptance will, will be even more wonderful. This is like Paul actually hinting at a future spiritual, we're diving deep right now, a future spiritual Israel, right? And so in Romans, he's actually talking about the end of time and like, you know, He's kind of tying it in. If you read the book of Revelations, there's tie-ins with what he's saying here. There's going to be a future, whether it's a spiritual nation of Israel or the actual nation of Israel, one of the two. Um, he's saying this is so important that, that their acceptance will be even more wonderful. And so he, whether or not he's talking about spiritual or physical Jewish people, I'm not sure. But regardless, he's saying that Jews coming to Jesus is a big deal. And so, um, so he knows that that's a big deal. And so he's stressing the importance of having an attractive faith because this is God's heart for people. And I was once talking to, you know, lead worship here. I have this thing personally that I don't like to sing a song that I don't fully understand. I was saying that a couple weeks ago, but I don't like to sing a song that I personally there's like words or a phrase that I just don't fully get because then I can't really connect with a song and therefore I feel like I'm not fully worshiping to that song, right? And um, so I was talking to somebody. I was playing. I was on a worship team with this person at one point. He was playing guitar and I was, um, I was talking to him and he, he was not a Christian for a large portion of his life, became a Christian. And he was like, um, uh, he, I was telling him about this. I was like, yeah, I just don't like it when, you know, we say 
these phrases that don't really make sense. And he said, actually, Matt, that's not all the time bad. Because the phrases that don't make sense that I listen to in worship songs as a non-Christian, as before I became to Jesus, he said those were the things that made me recognize that what you guys have as followers of Jesus is super special and intimate. And it was so interesting. Isn't that interesting? Because then we get to actually understand that our intimate relationship with God, like our special relationship with God, should actually cause other people to wonder and think, what do they have that I don't have? And as a, as a follower of Jesus, if you are not living in that way, that is not an authentic, authentic relationship with God. In a, a a relationship with God that's marked with rules and rituals is literally what Paul's saying, don't do here. Like, let's all together have an authentic relationship with God, one that's marked with attractiveness. And so in verse 17, we continue. He, he brings up, Paul brings up this awesome illustration. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel, have been broken off. And so this means that the Jews who didn't respond to Jesus in Paul's day, those were those people. And you Gentiles, who were branches from a wild olive tree, have been grafted in. So now, you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of the special olive tree. So he talks about this idea of grafting, which I'm not into botany, or I guess that'd be botany, right? Yeah, okay, all right, yeah, like trees and grafting and all that stuff. Uh, so, if you're like me, I threw a picture up for you. Throw that picture up. Yeah, uh, that's what grafting looks like, right? So, grafting is, um, is when you take a cultivated plant, chop part of it, and then you put a branch from another tree onto the cultivated tree and then you like wrap it up it kind of looks like they have like casts <laughs> i don't know why that just does that okay that's just me whatever um but that's kind of what grafting is it's like when a so so i was actually you know diving deep into this saw a national geographic thing on youtube about it and there's literally like trees that can grow 40 different types of fruits and things like that because they're literally just grafting in different branches from other trees. And it's just the nutrients from the root, from the, from the trunk, that gives to these branches, right? It doesn't matter what the branches are, but it's the fact that they're connected to the, to the, uh, to the, to the, to the actual tree. And so it's interesting because these—Paul's saying this because the Gentiles are then— part of God's family. They're together. They're grafted in. They're part of God's family, right? And so it's interesting. He said, the Gentiles, branches, go back to that verse, Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. And that's actually, botanistically speaking, (laughs) that's, uh, is that a word? I don't know, whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, in that day, if you were a botanist, right, and you're reading that, you're like, that's backwards. Because actually, they would, 
farmers would take a branch from a cultivated olive tree and put it on a branch, put it on a tree of an uncultivated olive tree so that they could have a larger harvest. Does that, we're following? Not on me if you're following, okay? Shake your head if you're not following. Okay, we're moving somewhere, right? So, so the, the, the grafting actually was backwards here is what he's saying. It's usually the other way around. And so Paul's saying in that, He's saying that the process of, of the Gentiles becoming into God's family is actually so unnatural because grace is so unnatural. Isn't that interesting? It's so deep. Like, you wouldn't just catch that reading that. And so it's so interesting. He's highlighting grace. It's unnatural to everyone. And he's also highlighting this tendency that um, we have, even as Christians today, to disregard the Jewish culture and Jewish people. And... Really what his main thought process here is, is that Jewish people are God's family. Like, we are, as well as Gentiles, like people who are not part of the original Jewish ethnic group, Jewish race, if you will. He, he, like, we are part of God's family, but he said don't discount. Don't think that they're less than, or don't even think that you're equal to in, in, in the way that we can think of that. So he's saying, don't get prideful, and essentially is what he's saying. Um, he's saying that God sees you for what Jesus has done in you, not for where you come from. And so, okay, after our heads exploded after that, I did not think that grafting illustration would be that, <laughs> that hard to understand, but okay, let's just reset a little bit. Okay, we're going to move on to point two, all right? Let's do it. <laughs> point number two. Authentic faith is humble faith. So that was attractive faith. Authentic faith is attractive faith. That's what our faith should look like. How do we have authentic faith? How do we have attractive faith, right? Verse 18. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not, a sh- not the root. So what he's saying here, really interesting the Gentiles at that point in the Roman church, and really at the church at, at large, were actually the majority of the Christians. And so he's saying, don't think just because you're the majority, you're any more special than anyone else. Don't think that your group or your clan or whatever is any more special than anyone else. You need to, essentially what he's saying is, you need to take some humble pie and understand that, like, you are not the, like, God is the reason why you're here. You're not, there's nothing about you that's special enough to bring you to this place. And even us as Christians have to recognize the same thing. There is nothing about you that brought you to here. It's only by God's grace that you are here. It's only by God's grace that you are as far as in your relationship with God that, he, that you are. It's only by God's grace that you have a relationship with God and that you continue to grow in a relationship with God. And so whether, again, whether he's talking about the spiritual or actual Israel, we're not sure, but we can say here that there's one people of God, right? And that's what he's trying to get across. Uh, verse 19. Well, you may say, Those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. 
and you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. So he's saying, there is no difference of you. There's nothing different. And sometimes authenticity is not really, I have this illustration, is not really um, what it might seem like on the outside, right? I, uh, two years ago, was in the market for some headphones, right? Uh, I really wanted the iPods, the AirPods Pro just came out, and I was not going to spend that much money. And so I really wanted the same function of, like, the ambient pass-through, right? I think that was pretty cool because if you know me, you know I'm, like, super jittery and, like, get scared really easily. So I really really wanted to, like, hear what was coming. So uh, <laughs> it's true. That's literally why I'm, I got ambient pass-through headphones. But... Uh, so I'm trying, like, ambient pass-through headphones, if you're not familiar with that, it's like when you can hear noise coming from the outside in your headphones. So I'm looking online, doing a ton of research, trying to find, like, a good headphone that has this function. And so I land on these, right? These uh, Under Armour JBL True Wireless Flash. Like, uh, these are the ones I researched, whatever. And then I'm doing a little bit more research, research going to eBay, and find that they're $60 cheaper than what I was originally going to pay. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. So I go purchase the ones on eBay. Excited, right? And so I get the ones, you know, I purchased them, I got them, and I'm like, you know, I, I put them in my ears, and I'm trying to get the ambient pastor to work, and I'm like, this is weird. I'm like reading the instructions, and it says tapping, and uh, tap four times, and it turned into Chinese, and I was like, that's weird. It, that wasn't on the, that wasn't on the, uh, the instructions. And so then I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And I was like, at most, at least they're broken. At most, they're knockoffs, right? So I send them back, buy the originals, um, and, and, and then I get the originals. And actually, the, the person that I sent them back to after my refund never picked them up. So they actually returned addressed them to myself. So I have knockoffs and I have originals of the same exact headphones, right? So, but here, here's what you can see. This is this is the original. Or no, this is the original. I can't even tell. This is the original. Um, this is, these are the knockoffs. Exactly the same, right? Same box, same inscriptions. Compare the codes on the bottom. These look exactly the same. But it wasn't until I started actually trying to use the headphones that I found out that they weren't authentic, right? And it was actually when I put them on and tried to use to listen to something is when I found out that they were fake. And here's the reality. I think this is a really cool illustration. But at the same time, if we aren't humble in our life, then the inside of us is not functioning correctly. Like we are not authentic in our faith. If, if we can look like Christians on the outside, but on the inside, if we aren't functioning in humility, we are not being effective as Christians. You aren't. You can look the part, but if you don't function in humility, you are not a functioning Christian. And so that's, that's what he's saying here. Because remember the main point. Um, the main point is, is faith is authentic when God is fully present. So he, he's saying like, hey, we got to... Make sure that you're authentic and God is fully present in your life. And I know that really for me, it's our, my actions, my thought processes that really f- I find is the moments that I 
of the measurements that I'm authentic or not, right? And so I've writ- written down some markers of how I know I'm not living authentically. And so here, I'm just going to read some of these markers and see if you identify with any of these. I am too quick to judge others and quick to give myself a free pass. I gloss over bad emotions or justify bad attitudes. I neglect myself or put myself last out of false humility. I need approval from others for my decisions. I feel shame about sharing the gospel with others. I get defensive when someone asks about my attitudes or priorities. I feel like a lot of people know about me, but few actually know me. These are the markers in my life that I found are the moments that I am not living authentically, right? There's a verse, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I know that these moments of pride are not lifestyle choices of pride. But I I still think that an authentic faith, the grounding, the honing, is when I'm humble in my faith. When I'm humble in who I am. When I give grace to myself because Jesus gave grace to me. When I allow fault in myself. When I allow fault in others. That's when I find that I'm authentic. It's when I am humble in my faith. A verse that, again, is a honing for me. John 15, 4 and 5. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what's the key then? Talk about have humble faith. What's the key to humble faith, my third point. Authentic faith is authentic, A-W-E, faith. I love wordplay, but here, 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 catch this, don't miss it. Authentic faith is when you recognize that it's not about you. Moving on in the scripture, verse 22, it says this. Notice, and that word notice means consider or behold or, or be in awe of. Be in awe of how God is both kind and severe. He is severe towards those who disobeyed, but kind to those, to you if you continue to trust in his, in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. And that's kind of a scary reality to live in. And I know earlier in the book, you know, it says nothing will ever separate us from God's love. So is he talking about a contradiction there? I don't, I don't think so. I think God's, or Paul is actually identifying a mysterious tension that is in God. It's this tension that God is both kind and severe at the same time. We can be kind. We can be severe. But God can do that both in the same, at the same time, all the time. And it's this moment of, wow, I don't fully understand that. But that's the point. Paul is saying, 
you can't fully understand God. You can't fully understand his ways. And actually, it's so interesting. This part of the, of the passage, this part of the scripture, is the end of his theological explanation. This is the end of the end. And he doesn't end it with this zinger line. Paul doesn't end this theological explanation with something like, this is what it's all about. He ends it in worship. Isn't that so interesting? That he ends this whole theological discourse in worship. And he's saying, hey, you can't just know about me. you got to be in awe of me. An authentic faith is not just one that's based in knowledge, but it's based in passion of heart. And he's saying this, then how should we respond, right? Verse 25, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud of yourself. It's so interesting. Two things he says there. I want you to not be proud of where you are in Jesus, but I want you to understand this mystery. First of all, that's impossible to understand any mystery, right? But he doesn't say that in the terms of, I want you to like, get it with your mind and, and like, unpack it and like, parse it out. He says, I just want you to live in this mystery. Live in this tension of not fully understanding God, but yet knowing him so intimately at the same time. I want you to understand that there is so much more to a relationship with God than what you can learn about him, worship team. I want you to be able to understand me just enough so you worship me. I want you to, to, to know just enough about me so that you are stirred to learn more, but yet never fully understanding who I am and what I am about. You've heard it said before, we've said it in church, if God could fit in your brain, would he really be worthy of worship? I say no. And it's so interesting. I, a professor in college said, he, it's so interesting, I went to University of Valley Forge, Christian college, he said um, in one of my theology classes, we should actually steer more of our faith towards mysticism. And let me define that. An, an ascension of our intellect being that we are okay with not fully understanding all of God's ways and all of who God is. That's what it is. That's what we should, this theology, that's what all of this church, all this thing that we do, everything that we have, that's what we should be stirred to do is worship. And continuing on in verse 33. Oh, how great are, or the NIV says, oh, the depths of God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible is it for us to understand? Understanding should not drive you away from, from Jesus. Not understanding should drive you towards Jesus. It should drive you towards your knees. It should drive you towards prayer. It should drive you towards getting to know him more. That's what not understanding did. And we switched this whole service around so that we can end in a long portion of worship. And I'm like that because this is how the scripture is asking us to respond is worship. So we're going to do it. We're going to be in awe of God because authentic faith is authentic faith. And so continuing on my final two verses, 
verse 34 and 36. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? Everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. We're about to sing a song, talk about songs that you might not fully grasp. I didn't get this song until I grasped this concept. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Like a hot air balloon without air. Us without God is nothing. Pointless. Purposeless. But let's not take this moment and just make it all about our connection with God. God, what do you want to say and show me? Make this moment about you giving praise back to our creator. Make it about God. Oh my, oh my goodness. I don't fully understand, but yet I still am stirred to worship. I don't get it, nor will I ever. But I will understand this one thing, that you have everything in control, that you have everything in your hands, that you are working it out no matter what. That's what it's all about. That's what worship is. That's what it's all about. So stand up today. I'm going to pray us into this time. Jesus, with everything that we have, we worship you. With everything that we are, we worship you. It's by you, for you, through you, and intended for you. God, we praise you. We worship you. Even in the midst of not understanding, we understand that you have everything in control, that you are on the throne. So God, we thank you. We thank you for being in this place. And we worship you today.